Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Gridlocked. My name is Tracy Taylor. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. Uh, I am your Seattle area traffic reporter. I work every weekday morning, 4.30 to 7 a.m. You can catch me on the radio every weekday afternoon with the Tom and Curly Show on Cairo Radio 97.3 on your FM dial. Uh, So I'm going to stray away a little bit from the norm um, because, well, first, I do have a lot of traffic to talk about. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that near... well, actually, coming up here very soon, uh, we're going to talk to Francis and Laura from WashDOT about a couple of big projects, one of which is on Highway 203 and the other one where they're going to shut down I-5 between Federal Way and Fife. But first, uh, I've been assigned a different beat when it comes to Cairo Radio. Now, of course, I still do my traffic tweets. You can always catch me on Twitter. That's Tracy T. Traffic. Uh, I tweet traffic nonstop. That's just what I do. But I have been assigned a different beat, uh, especially during the COVID era now, um, since traffic is well, I don't want to say it's back to normal, but we're definitely seeing volumes increase. Uh, Of course, I'm keeping an eye on that. But when we had no traffic during COVID and Governor Jay Inslee here in the state of Washington said everybody needs to stay home, Cairo Radio gave me the task of finding the positive light into COVID-19 where um, vaccines and clinical trials and treatments for COVID-19 patients, uh, keeping them off ventilators and drugs and diagnose, I mean, just everything under the medical umbrella when it came to COVID-19. Well, let me take you back to a couple of years ago. I want to say it's been more than a couple of years. I used to work at a station in Alabama, Huntsville, Alabama, as a matter of fact. And I worked with a guy named Matt Peralt. And Matt was on the sports talk radio station there in Alabama, and he talked Alabama football. And there has been a couple of times that Matt and I actually did Saturday shows together, and we talked about Alabama football. I learned a lot about Alabama football from Matt Peralt. Matt Peralt is a sports talk radio show, uh, sports talk host, basically. And he works in Las Vegas right now, and he works for Sports Map. So he's the host of Game Night. And um, he's also just a national radio host. He along with other people here in the United States and around the world, uh, was diagnosed with COVID-19. As a matter of fact, his whole family had COVID-19, from his wife to his daughter to himself. Well, he's not completely out of the woods yet, but he's getting there. I talked to Matt about his, I want to say, journey with COVID-19. My wife is a hygienist. And so in early June, we started to see spikes in Vegas. We started to see issues, obviously, with uh, asymptomatic patients starting to show up at doctor's offices and dental offices. And doctors here in Vegas stopped taking patients, but the dentists did not. And so there was a big concern and big wonder and worry about aerosols with certain types of machines that are used in offices for dentists for cleaning. Right. They're hygienists. And so what we believe happened in the early part of June, my wife was exposed to COVID-19 and we don't know how long the overall incubation period was for her, but we think it was probably two or three days. So uh, she started to show symptoms with a pretty bad headache and then kind of progressed and went downhill from there. Uh, Basically, once she had a fever and started to lose her sense of smell, 
we didn't need the positive COVID test to know that she had COVID, but right. she did wind up obviously testing positive for COVID. Uh, she went to the ER once when she was dealing with some really bad chest tightness, and that's when she had a nasal swab test. It was a rapid test that uh, the initial test that she had taken took a week to come back. Wow. At time in June. Yeah. And then she got the ER test, which was rapid, and then we got that she was positive. So we had already isolated her for eight days in our master bedroom and kept her away from my daughter and I. But, you know, as what happens with COVID, you just don't know how long that period is going right. to last for incubation. And my daughter ultimately started to show symptoms about eight days later. So after that, and you, your daughter started showing symptoms, it roughly took you, what, three weeks before you started to see anything? Yeah, for me, I kept on testing negative. So we did a really good job of keeping my my wife away. And then, but I was caring for my daughter for for the week that my, my wife was being isolated and, and us staying really far away from her. And she was dealing with some pretty severe symptoms. I mean, she was extremely fatigued, really bad headaches, awful body aches, a cough, fever. I mean, just the things that you, this is not the flu, okay? This is not like a one or two day, oh, I feel like crap. This is like, oh my goodness gracious, I have something that's really seriously wrong with me. And so we, I mean, I tried really hard. I was, every morning I'd get up and I'd wipe down the entire house with Clorox bleach. I would keep my daughter as far away. And my, my, you know, my daughter now is six years old. So all she would ask me every morning is, you know, if I'm positive for COVID, can I see mommy? Like she had no real understanding that like her having COVID was what I was trying to prevent. But right. she didn't want to go see her mom. And so she was struggling, I was struggling. And so what ended up happening is that like once my, my daughter popped the fever of 101.5, it was pretty much okay my daughter has it so how am i not positive and so i kept on testing negative and then finally i showed symptoms about um i think we we, we first started june the 8th i think it was for my wife first starting symptoms and i i showed symptoms on june 21st so what was your first symptoms your loss of smell and taste or where did you stuffy head what was going on there no, see, I'm a pretty, I'm a, I'm a you know, type A freak person when it comes to my body. And so I have an Apple watch. And so I watched my heart rate every morning. I was watching my heart rate to see where I was when I slept. Because one of the precursors, if you see some of these products that are out there saying they can detect COVID early, like three or four days early, right. it's your change in heart rate that really is what it does. It's your body has an infection and your heart rate spikes. So when I sleep, my, my heart rate normally is, is 50. I'm, you know, I've been working out pretty steadily for the last two years preparing for an amateur boxing fight that never happened thanks to COVID. But I was watching my heart rate go to 75 when I slept. So that's when I knew that, okay, something is wrong. My body is reacting totally differently. And I just felt off. And, you know, for people who are wondering, do you have COVID or not? I mean, for me, it was, I had a, a feeling in the back of my throat that didn't feel right, kind of like a frog in your throat. And my heart rate was spiked. And that took about 48 hours. And then the fever came and, and the chills came. And I didn't have as bad of a fever as I had bone chilling chills like i was shaking like uncontrollably for a couple of days luckily it only lasted two days but it stunk when it was going on but now all is said and done you went and you you got tested you found out you were positive did they ever treat you with like the drug remdesivir or anything of that sort over the counter stuff no i mean i i mean one of the things that for my family what we were lucky is that we have a lot of friends and my mom in the medical community so we started right away treating you know, COVID is a fight against pneumonia. And then from pneumonia, it goes to sepsis. So you're trying to do everything in your power to keep your lungs clear. So we took right away a maximum strength um, 
expectorant, which is very easy to acquire. You know, it's a little expensive, but it's over the counter. Uh, we took, uh, I mean, I was pounding liquids in my, in my first 48 hours of having real symptoms of COVID-19. I drank 160 ounces of basically like a, a Gatorade type of drink mm-hmm. and just trying to, to replace it. And I still was not, you know, my body was still taking more. I was not dehydrated, but I wasn't like going to the bathroom every two seconds, given how much uh, my body was fighting against the virus. So we took that, um, you know, for us, sleeping on your stomach is really important. We bought a blood oxidator, uh, oxidation monitor on Amazon. So, you know, that's one of the big keys that if your blood oxygen level drops below 90 on those monitors, you got to be really careful. And so for us, we never dropped below 90. So we were lucky in that case. So we didn't have any lung issues. We weren't put on ventilators. You know, we weren't, you know, a, 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 uh, a case where we had to be treated with aggressive drugs. But I mean, you know, it's August and we're not 100% through this yet. Right. So you, just because you said that you weren't treated with drugs and you didn't have any problems with your lungs didn't necessarily mean that was the end of the battle for you, Matt. Tell us a little bit about the post now afterwards. So they call us the long haulers, yeah. and we're the ones with mild symptoms, and we're the ones that, you know, sometimes you get that serious case and you're in the hospital in the ICU. You sometimes, if you were to say survive, hopefully, you're actually recovering quicker than those of us who are having the mild symptoms. So I've had chest pains for a while now, and last week they got pretty significant, and it was over a three-day period where it was Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, where it just got progressively worse, and just felt like someone was grabbing my heart and squeezing my heart. And given all of the problems and worries that we've had here with you know major league baseball players and other athletes, people who are totally healthy, having inflammation of their organs, I mean, I'm 43 years old, so it was somewhat scary going, okay, we need to go and have this checked out. And and I went into, the, went into a walk-in ER, and they immediately sent me to a, a real hospital because they said, you can't play around with this. And we ran a, a variety of tests. I was in the hospital for 48 hours, and you know, right before I got discharged, I had about a 20-minute conversation with a cardiologist who looked me square in the eye and said, I wish I could tell you something better than this, but you have COVID, and you know we can't explain this. We're seeing this every day, people coming in, complaining of, of chest pains in, in, in undescribable you know, untreatable, undiagnosable uh, issues with COVID, but they just don't know. So what does, I mean, I, I guess the next question is, is how do, how does your wife feel? Like what is, how is her health and moving forward, how, how are you going to take care of your daughter? Well, my daughter only had a day of symptoms. Kids are remarkable with this virus and she had a fever for one day, basically. She was tired for a couple of days and she hasn't really had any symptoms since. So that's the one thing that is the saving grace of this whole thing. It's like children, for the most part, there are kids obviously who have had long-standing problems with COVID, but for the most part, children seem to deal with the virus. And because they're either exposed to all sorts of viruses anyway at school or whatnot, but she seems to be okay. So for right now, we're not worried about my daughter. For my wife, we just don't know. I mean, it's just like me. I mean, she she has chest tightness from time to time. Uh, she has, she hasn't had the same type of workout issues that I've had, but you know, I'm about two and a half weeks behind her. So watching her and watching her type of, of, of symptoms and where she has gone, but she seems to be okay. She's back at work. Uh, I mean, she does get tired at times in the afternoon more than she has in the past, but you know, for the most part, she has come through and been okay. And 
you know, the, the, the one thing men, you know, we, we tend to, to have issues with our heart more than others. I have heart disease in my family. My, my grandfather died of it. So there was a lot of concern with me um, when I was having the chest tightness about my heart. But luckily, after they ran two days of every test you could dream of, you know, that they came back and said, well, your heart's healthy and your lungs are clear and you're, uh, whatever you're experiencing, we can't really tell you why. But right. for that matter, at least I know that I can push myself and it's just basically whatever I can feel like doing. And day by day, week by week, just trying to get better and get, get back to where I was. Do you feel normal? It's a great word. Um, normal. What is normal these days? <laughs> what, 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 is, what, what, what is the world we, we all have? <laughs> it's not normal now. But, I mean, do you, do you feel like what you did, say, middle of May? No, not even close. Okay. I mean, COVID has changed me dramatically. I mean, I... Uh, the, the the stress of COVID is is there regardless for everybody, but after you get it, the unknown is is one of the more difficult things because you just don't know what each day is going to bring. You don't know what your long term health is going to look like. Sure. You don't know if that pain that you had in the in your side is just some weird issue, or is like why does my kidney hurt today? Like that's weird. Like am I, am I dehydrated? Am I dealing with something else? Like it just causes you to go through all these different checklists in your brain. And, and so it's a mental fight as much as a physical fight, Sure. but, but the physical fight is, is me trying to, to get, you know, back to some level of fitness that I was in and I'm certainly not close to being there. I mean, it's, you know, I've heard other people in the media talk about this like mental fatigue and depression that you get yourself into because you're mad that you can't do what you once did. And okay. I've tried really hard just to say, okay, each day we're going to try to do what we can. And eventually, hopefully six months, a year down the road, you know, one foot in front of the other, we can kind of get back to where we were. But no, I'm not. I mean, I'm not the same person post-COVID that I was pre. Are the doctors interested in like taking your plasma and testing it on other patients? I want to offer that. I mean, that, that's something that I was told by the American Red Cross when I called after I had recovered from COVID. I said, you know, I want to donate my plasma. And they said, okay, we try to go about two months after and, and we try to, you know, make sure that you're fully through the virus. Right. And this was about two weeks before I wound up back in the hospital. So I, I kind of understood now why they said that because, you know, they want, they want you to donate, but they also want to make sure that you're 100%, you know, not dealing with the virus still in your system. So. Uh, I want to give my plasma, and, and I, I hope anybody who has COVID will be willing to do so and, and go donate blood, if not plasma as well, to patients, because that's one thing that we have seen, that it is helping people and saving lives uh, by injecting those antibodies into people who are dealing with the virus in a really bad way. I just don't know what level my antibodies are. I mean, sometimes when you have only a mild case, your antibodies aren't as strong as they want them to be. So sure. they have not talked to me about it, but I want to do it. His name is Matt Peralt. He is a spot, uh, sports radio talk show host in Las Vegas. He's one of my old friends. So, uh, Matt, go ahead, plug your plug your podcast, plug whatever you want to plug, because, quite frankly, I, I am grateful for your friendship, but I'm also grateful you're still alive. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, uh, so it's it's 10 to 1 Pacific time. Uh, SportsMapRadio.com is to stream the radio show. It's a national show that... Uh, we talk about sports gambling. We talk about sports uh, every morning, every weekday uh, from 10 to 1 Pacific, 1 to 4 Eastern. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Sports Talk Matt. I do podcasts and other fun stuff as well that you'll see me ranting and raving. And a lot about people not wanting to respect the virus. That's my new, <laughs> my, my new mantra is respect the virus because it's real, it's out there, and I don't want your family to get it. Are we going to have a uh, college football season and are we going to have an NFL season? 
the NFL is going to play. I, I 100% believe the NFL is playing, and I 100% believe college football is not playing. And you have athletes who are being paid and compensated, and the liability is too great for these colleges to bring these kids onto their campuses, put them in dorms, and then ha ask them not to go and be a college kid. I mean, how do you not go out? How do you not go to a party? How do you not? I mean, you put college kids together, they're going to party. I mean, we all went to college. I, I mean, I, I would do it too. I'd be like, get out of here. I'm 18. I'm only going to be 18 once or a college kid once. And, you know, we, we always thought we were invincible at that age. So college football is just it's not possible. I think college basketball might be able to play if they go to a bubble, if the universities are capable of selling that to the public that you can put your college kids. And I think here in Vegas, you could do it with the Pac-12 easy. Mm -hmm. Have the Pac-12 and the Mountain West come here for two months and you, you could play a college basketball season in a bubble like they do with the NBA. But college football is 200 people per team. It's so difficult to do. People seem to be more angry about college football being canceled than they are about the response to COVID-19 here in this country. And, and that's a pretty bad statement. Well, he talks all sports, so go check it out uh, on his um, stream and everything else, too. Matt, thanks for your time today. So a big thank you to Matt Peralt from the Sports Map uh, to talk about his journey, well, his family's journey with COVID-19. He's not out of the woods yet, and there's a lot of people that are still not completely out of the woods yet as well. Um, I think, you know, we'll wrap things up by saying, you know, there has been positive news when it comes to Moderna and Pfizer and Johnson and Johnson. We just heard a lot with phase three clinical trials right now uh, where they're testing in humans. 30,000 human beings right now are being tested with a possible COVID-19 vaccine. Let's hope, hope that we can find some sort of resolution for this virus by the end of the year or beginning of next. Okay, so that wraps things up for this edition of Gridlocked. Uh, coming up later, we are going to hear more about the big road project that's happening in Fife, where they're going to shut down I-5 in both directions from uh, WashDOT's Laura Newborn. And we're also going to hear about Highway 203 and the project out there. And this is actually really, really cool. It's called a bridge in a backpack. We're going to talk to Francis about that as well. Thank you again for being a part of this podcast. Again, it's called Gridlock. You can download it on iTunes, Stitcher, and very soon, very, very soon, we're going to have it on um, some other channels as well. If you want to reach out to me about a story idea or something that you want me to look into, you can do that. You can find me on my social channels on Twitter. That's Tracy T. Traffic. You can also find me on Facebook. That's Tracy Taylor Traffic. And you can also find me every weekday morning, 4.30 to 7 a.m. on Cairo 7 in Seattle. Thanks. See you next time.